I just recorded this whole episode and then I scrapped it because I'm out of practice. It's been a couple of months and I just sounded so bored. My voice was just so monotone. So if I was bored listening to it, you would be too. So let's give this a crack again. Now, it's been a while. I don't have an excuse. I've not been doing anything exciting. But I have blocked out the rest of my calendar for the remainder of the year to stay at home and work on with Jack. I felt like the traveling and the public speaking was distracting me a lot. So I've blocked out my calendar, which hopefully means more consistency with my podcast. So what have you missed uh, since the last episode? Quite a big deal, actually. I hit a massive milestone. I shared this news with friends earlier in the week with Jack's book of customers is now worth a quarter of a million. Whoa! And I think some of my uh, friends misunderstood me and they think that I have a quarter of a million pounds. I do not. But what I mean is with Jack's book of customers is now worth £250,000 in terms of premium. So this has been a figure I've been working towards for a long time. It's amazing to finally get here, but it also feels like just the start. Anyway, I'm probably going to record a whole episode focusing on that and... um, I don't know, reflecting on on what it means and how I got there. And I might even dig deep into how it makes me feel. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Today, I want to share my thoughts on choosing a market. So before starting my business, I really hadn't given much thought to what goes into choosing a good market to sell to. I did have a, a failed SaaS app under my belt And I had acknowledged that one of the reasons it failed was because of the market that I'd chosen. So I took this into consideration when starting with Jack, but I still failed to ask myself some important questions about the market that I'd chosen, which is freelancers. Now, there were a few reasons why I chose to target freelancers. The first reason was that the majority of quotes submitted via my MVP were from freelancers. So this proved to me that there was a need for a service like this. The second reason was that I was a part of this market myself, having been a freelance photographer for several years. So I I knew that I would have an understanding of the people that I'd be selling to, which I think is very important. And then lastly, no other insurers were heavily targeting freelancers or doing a good job of positioning themselves to this market. But here was my first mistake. I didn't ask why that was. I very naively assumed that it was an opportunity that insurers had overlooked, to my benefit, um, because In my mind, freelancing was this small but growing market and I thought that there was a gap for an insurance company created exclusively for them. So in August of 2016, I soft launched with Jack, an insurance company built for 
freelancers. And for the first year, I attracted designers, developers, and kind of tech-related freelancers before expanding organically into other segments. Now, I, I love targeting freelancers, but there are more lucrative areas that I could pivot to. Um, but I want to stick with freelancers for a very simple reason. I like them and I enjoy helping them. However, that doesn't mean that I've chosen an ideal market to sell to. And I want to share some of the factors that I wish I'd considered beforehand. So if you're starting a business, you will want to consider these factors too. So the first question I wish I'd asked myself was, is churn high? Is churn going to be high? Because of the flexible nature of freelancing, with Jack's churn is high. 11% of her customers cancel their policy midterm or they don't renew. Overwhelmingly, this is because they've accepted a full-time role. But other common reasons for cancellations include relocating abroad because of Brexit, maternity leave because of babies, client work drying up, or their new contract not requiring insurance. Um, I call these freelancers the tick-a-box freelancer. Now, out of my first 100 customers, 71 have active policies. And losing customers, whether it's midterm or once their policy expires, never gets easier. It, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that it ruins my day. But despite this, I still ensure that the process of leaving is simple. Uh, so we have monthly insurance plans and zero cancellation fees, meaning there's very little friction with cancelling. And I believe that by making it simpler to terminate your policy, we're then likelier to earn recommendations or even welcome back those who've churned. Like I said, freelancing is flexible. And whilst this means that many accept full-time positions, it works the other way too. So I'm almost three years in and I'm seeing a pattern where those who became employed are now returning to freelance work. And guess what? They need insurance again. And our frictionless cancellation process ensures they're likelier to use our service again. Do I think term would be lower if I was targeting, for example, agencies? I think so. Because agencies have projects with longer lifespans and they have employees. So they're not flitting between self-employment and full-time employment. So when choosing your market, ask yourself, is churn high? Flexible markets like freelancing and the gig economy where people fall in and out of using your product means churn may be higher. The second question are they price conscious. Freelancers earn an average of £16,000 a year. So yes, they are, they are price sensitive with insurance. Um, they're happy to invest time into shopping around if it means saving a few pounds. And they're not shy in asking you to beat or match competitors' prices. This is a battle I'm not interested in fighting because... I really do believe that competing on price is simply a race to the bottom. If somebody 
grumbles about price, I'm the first to refer them to a cheaper provider um, because with Jack does not want to compete on price. And, and there are several reasons for that. I want my business to be around long term, so I need to make a profit. I want to work on new products and features that are beneficial to customers. And I need to make money to be able to do that. I believe, I believe in the, the value of insurance. And I see firsthand how beneficial it is to freelancers. So I want to do my bit to nudge the industry away from the price-driven buying behaviour that comparison sites have contributed to and instead focus on the value that it delivers. And lastly, price-conscious customers are generally the biggest time sink, regardless of industry, whether it's insurance or when I was a wedding photographer, this rule of thumb tends to apply. I do make an exception on very few occasions. If somebody's just starting out and their turnover's low, then I'll do my best to help on the price front. But generally, I'm very firm on not lowering our prices. It's something I feel strongly about. And, you know, standing your ground and losing out in a sale because you aren't willing to shave 20 quid off the price can be really scary. And I probably wasn't as confident doing this in the early days. But in hindsight, the stance has been very beneficial for my business because as a result, we tend to attract high quality customers. So for example, I, I believe our churn isn't as high as it could be because come renewal customers don't have that mindset to shop around for the lowest deal. And we've also... We tend to attract um, quite established freelancers who are likelier to be in business longer. So the average turnover of our customer base is 50,000 as opposed to the national average uh, freelancer earns, which is 16,000. And then those who buy insurance based on price tend to be just ticking a box to satisfy a client's uh, request in their contract. And these tick-a-box freelancers don't make ideal customers because there's no brand loyalty and their lifetime value is lower. So when choosing your market, ask yourself, are they price conscious? Are you going to have to fight for each sale or have you chosen a market with momentum? And I can tell you the traction is, uh, is trickier when selling something with a low perceived value, like insurance, to a market with a, a lower salary than the national average. Okay, question number three, do you need high volume? So freelance premiums are pretty small, our average is 250 pounds. So I would need lots of volume to build Oh, I can't say this word. To build a behemoth, behemoth, behemoth. To build a big business. Now, on the contrary, the average premium for tech startups whose insurance I've arranged is £1,000. I would have a very different business financially 
if my customers were all startups instead of freelancers. Because 1,000 freelancers with an average premium of £250 is £250,000. And 1,000 startups with an average premium of £1,000 is a million pounds. My goal has never been to build a big business. I've said this before, and I, I still feel the same way almost three years in. My, my goal, what excites me is creating a remarkable product for a small group of people. I am one person bootstrapping from a flat in Glasgow. So I'm getting by with the number of customers I have. But if my goal was bigger, if I had employees to support and flashy office space to pay for and investors to return money to, I'd need a higher volume of customers to, to reach that goal. On the the five ways to build a $100 million business scale, and I'll link to that article in the show notes, I am hunting mice. But if I was hunting elephants, I'd need far fewer of them to build a $100 million business. And again, that's not my goal, but it's a good scale to give you perspective on the volume of customers you need. So when choosing your market, ask yourself, do you need high volume? Understand what your goal is and how many customers you need to get there. And if your market is enterprise customers, you'll need fewer to reach 100 million but if your market is prosumers paying you £100 a year, well, you're going to need a lot of volume to get there. Okay, last question. Is the market big? So there's an estimated 2 million freelancers in the UK. And to me, that sounded like a huge number. But all of the investors that I spoke to said the same thing. Oh, it's a small market, too small for us, uh, which is one of the reasons why they weren't interested in investing in my business. And at the time, this seemed absurd to me. If I take 10% of the market, that's 200,000 freelancers, which is over 15 million in sales a year. I would totally get out of bed for that. But over time, I actually came to realize that the investors were correct. It isn't a big market. Even though there are 2 million freelancers in the UK, I'd estimate only 25% of them are insured. And suddenly, the pool of people ready to buy our product shrinks to 250,000. If I take 10% of that, it's 25,000. That 15 million pot is now only 1.9 million. I say only. I mean, yeah, I'd still get out of bed for that. But it's significantly smaller than I first anticipated. And when you consider that I'm going after this market alongside established incumbents and VC-backed startups, which, by the way, are popping up everywhere, all of which have bigger teams and more resources than me, it becomes harder to, to make a dent in that market. So when choosing your market, think about the size and availability of your customers. Um, in fact, read Justin Jackson's Twitter thread, which I'll link to in the show notes, about fishing, which has an excellent analogy for choosing a market. 
Now, after all of this, I, I obviously still chosen freelancers. Um, I, I do think I've chosen a tricky industry, insurance, and a challenging market, freelancers. But I really wouldn't change a thing because there's something more important to me than market size and volume of customers. And that's company founder fit. It's important to ensure that the company you're creating fits the kind of life that you want to live. I don't want to raise investment or build a billion dollar business. I want to create a remarkable product for a small group of people that I like, whose work I find interesting. And freelancers fit the bill perfectly. Whilst there is a lot of stuff you'll uncover post-launch about uh, your market, it, it is worthwhile going into business being aware of some of the potential pitfalls of your chosen market. So make sure you consider these questions when thinking about the market you're going after. Is churn high? Flexible markets are likely are likelier to experience higher churn. Are they price conscious? Like, do they have money to spend? Do you need high volume? How many customers is it going to take to build the business that you want? And is the market big? Are there lots of available customers with money to spend looking for your solution? So that's all from me this week. Uh, hopefully next week I will be back to talk about this momentous milestone that I've reached in business and what that means for me on a professional and personal level or emotional level, if I have emotions. I will speak to you then. Bye.